Hello, and welcome to How to Fail at College. My name is Paul Crowley. And I'm Carl Beckham. How to Fail at College is a podcast about how to survive college or fail miserably trying. Before we begin the show, there is something I feel compelled to bring up. It's something of vital importance that everyone should be aware of. Recently, we had Rivalry Week for college football, and Clemson beat the crap out of South Carolina. Carl, I believe you're not much of a sports fan either, right? <laughs> No, my exact words to my wife that day were, hey, what time is the game? Yeah. And before she answered, I remembered I did not care at all. Right. So, I mean, full disclosure, I didn't watch the game. <laughs> I'm not much into sports. Wait, I did. How does that work? I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, we're both from South Carolina. You have to choose a team, right? I chose Clemson, so that's the only score I will check each each season. I have no idea how they did on the other games. I think they did pretty well. They're high ranked. I, they're but ranked I do check that score. Rather well. Yeah. So, so we, I think it's important for everyone to know that Clemson is on top this year. That's, And you have a house divided, don't you? Yes. My wife is a Carolina fan. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But she, like most of her family, knew that this was going to happen. That South Carolina did not have the best team this year or last year. They were resigned to exactly what was about to occur. Yeah. <laughs> it softened the blow a little bit. That's helpful. At least it wasn't a terrible, terrible weekend in your home. <laughs> well, leftovers from Thanksgiving food, or from Thanksgiving, made it really great, too. Cake has a tendency. Cake and pie have a great tendency to <laughs> level out feelings and emotions. It's called a negative coping skill. Yes. <laughs> oh, Do we skip over that one the other week? <laughs> it's included in there, yeah. <laughs> Good. All right, uh, so let's jump into our news segment. Okay, one of the first articles we want to share with you is that there is a university that is now sending out your acceptances and notifying you via Snapchat. That seems like they're trying a little bit too hard. Yes. Like I, I'm embarrassed of my lack of knowledge of Snapchat, but I am it's so embarrassed for that university sending out snaps. Like Maybe we'll look back on this in five years and see how we were in the wrong about it. <laughs> But I do think one thing they mentioned in the article is pretty interesting in that in order to send you the Snapchat, you have to follow the school, and they have to follow you. I think you both have to be following each other in order for you to actually receive the acceptance. So if the school is following you, they can also see what you're posting. That's kind of nice in a terrifying Big Brother, really creepy sort of way. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, we have another news article, Hampshire College. Uh, they drew some protests recently because they removed the United States flag. Now this isn't to spark any controversy or anything like that. We're just going to put the information out there. The article that we're going to post a link to, they do a very good job explaining how there was not a ban instituted on the U.S. flag. Rather they had lowered it to half-mast and people were burning the flag and so they felt at the time being it would be best to just go ahead and remove it. But obviously people don't like that and so there have been some protests on that campus regarding it. There was it. The initial removal of the flag was in response to those protests, which was where the flag was being burnt. So now to prevent that from happening and the heated rhetoric that comes with that, they've removed the flag and now protesters on the opposite side. I, I was reading another article that backed it up. It's a lot of vets at the school are very upset that they don't, they're not currently flying the flag, which totally understandable. Kind of interesting, though, that it was a protest on either side of it. 
I think you see that on a lot of issues. There's going to be the people have their opinions, and one person starts protesting, and the other side they want to protest the protest. <laughs> um, the last news item we want to bring to you is an interesting one. Um, Matthew McConaughey, Hollywood star, he has helping out at one of the colleges in Texas and giving people rides home after events to make sure they get home safely. No, to make sure they get home all right, all right, all right. I was wondering if you were going to do that. <laughs> the uh, the picture's hilarious. It's amazing. He's actually wearing a shirt and sitting on a go golf cart with just a ton of people <laughs> wallowing all over it. It's kind of wonderful. Yeah. It's a good way to give back. <laughs> I suppose so. Kudos to Matthew McConaughey. So with Matthew McConaughey picking up kids who have uh, potentially had too much fun or had too many stress relievers, been too mm, stressed out from what's getting ready to occur on their campuses is a wonderful segue to what we're getting ready to talk about because it's all stress, because we are at the end, it's all over, and it's time for final exams. So the next couple weeks, we... Paul and I will be giving hours, I'm sure, across this great nation of hours. There's tons of others in the same situation we are in. So we're not talking about the easy part of making them and giving them to students. We're talking about the hard part of being a student and having that final exam fall in your lap. So without any further ado, let's start talking about exams, Paul. So I think it's important to get some of the basics out of the way. Right, so for each class, you want to double check with your instructors, first and foremost, when is the exam, what day and time, and what location. So most schools have a altered exam schedule that differs from your normal class schedule. So you usually will take it on the same day. So if you have a Monday, Wednesday, Friday class, you're gonna take it on one of those days. If you have a Tuesday, Thursday class, you're gonna take it on one of those days, typically, but not always. So you want to double check the day and what time, because it doesn't always start at the same time your class does. And your professor may be giving it in a testing center rather than the actual classroom. So you, had, you need to know where to go to actually take the test. <laughs> so the, yeah, first and foremost, I think logistics of it is one of the most important aspects. And Paul, I agree with you 100%. Uh, actually moving from that, once you know where to go, when to go, when to be there, you kind of need to know what it's going to be like. Hopefully by the end of the semester you're aware of how your professor tests what they, how they frame their questions, how they set up everything. So you should have a good idea and that's necessary if you're going to succeed at this. I would encourage students to not be afraid to ask questions, right? So one thing my mom has always taught me, if you don't ask a question the answers already know. So you may ask, how many questions are on the test? Is this going to be on the test? Is that going to be on the test? What should I study? What should I not study? So there's a good chance that your professor will not answer all your questions. They might not tell you what's actually on the test, but you never know. The more you ask, the more th we might accidentally let slip. <laughs> right? Loose lip sync exams? Sure. Yeah, let's go with that. The... Uh but with the professors, actually asking the questions, wonderful. Is it short answer? Is it multiple choice? How are we setting it up? What's the expectation? Um, Do you need a pencil? Because I personally give exams on Scantrons, and I tell all my students every single time, bring a pencil. If you use a pen, it does not read in the machine, and you will get to zero. Two students, one this semester, one last semester, just 
didn't want to listen to that, and they got their zeros. I'm sorry, they got one point because they got one of the bonus questions. I still gave that to them. So they got one. They got a one. Wow, preparation. Yes. <laughs> yes. I always like the student who has four or five pencils all laid out, and they have to end up lending all of them out to someone. And pro tip, don't show up to take the exam, go up to the professor and ask, do you have a pencil I can borrow? No. No, I do not. Did that happen to you? Multiple times. Oh my goodness. It's like, I have one pencil and it's mine. <laughs> but a actually asking the professor is a good thing to do. Not for a pencil, obviously. Um, asking what we're covering, how we're covering it, what's going to be on there. The other trick, think about what your professor would want you to know. Think about what that person has spent more time focusing on, repeating, coming back, coming back, coming back. Um, I, the third day of class, when I'm teaching English 101, I start the class with the exact words, this is going to be the answer to the first question on your final exam. The, the problem with that, Carl, is that students don't pay attention. So on my first day of class, we're going over the syllabus, right? I say it very clearly. I say it five times, actually, literally five times back to back. Your final is not comprehensive. And I say to them, I'm going to say it four more times. The final is not comprehensive. It is not comprehensive. It is not comprehensive. It only covers the last three chapters. It is written in your syllabus. It is not comprehensive. But I guarantee you, someone in your class will ask me before the end of the semester if it covers everything. And without fail, every single semester <laughs> and every class. So you can tell them what's on the test, but if they're not paying attention, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that, Paul. <laughs> what you say is put your freaking phone away and pay attention in class. We were talking about... Um, is our cell phones a new type of addiction in class this past mm -hmm. week? And as we're talking about it, there are students on their phone. And it's like you are proving our point. And you don't know you're proving a point because you're not paying attention because <laughs> you're on your phone because you're addicted. It's a little frustrating sometimes. Yeah, it is. I, I can see that might have struck a chord with you, my friend. Yes. <laughs> yes. Here's one thing that I'll say about... Um, Preparing for finals, though, and any kind of test, really. And this is something we also just happened to talk about in my class this past week, and it has to do with anxiety, right? Because we were talking about the different types of mental disorders, and anxiety is definitely in there. And we talk about in order to get diagnosed with anxiety, you have to experience it in kind of an excessive way. You experience it more than the other, or an average person, right? And so one of the things that we kind of review is that we actually want some anxiety in our life. There's this moderate level, this sweet zone that we want to be in. Because if you have too much anxiety, right, you're worried, you're stressed about your test, and to a certain extent that can be good because it's going to motivate you hopefully to study. But because you have so much anxiety, when you actually are studying, you're not concentrating very well, you're not retaining the material, and then when you take the test, you kind of freeze, right? But you don't want too low of anxiety. You don't want to be on the other end of the spectrum because then you're not worried or stressed at all. So it's like, I don't need to study. And that's bad because you're going to fail. So you want to kind of be in the middle, in that moderate level. You want just enough worry and stress and anxiety, like a normal, moderate level, so you're motivated enough to study, but not so much that it's going to incapacitate you. Does that make sense? That does make sense. It actually reminds me of, um, oh, who was it? Pete Holmes, his podcast, Let's Make It Weird. He's always talking about anxiety is a fuel, mm -hmm. or 
nerves as a fuel, which is great. It is something that just kind of spurs you, keeps you moving, keeps you progressing forward. So it's, it's a handy trick. Yeah. Um, one thing I would recommend to students as well is to have dedicated times set apart to actually study. And this is something that needs to happen kind of frequently and consistently over a large period of time. So most, I would say 95% of students just ignored what I just said, and they're going to cram the night before. Or they think, oh, that's, that's a really good idea. I really need to do that. But you're still going to cram the night before. Here's the problem with, with cramming. Can it work? Yes and no. Yes, in the fact that you might be able to retain the information in order to take the test and to score well in the test. But once you take that test, a week later, that information is just gone. It's the situation of learning versus memorization, where you've got it for the moment and your brain just flushes it right out as soon as it's over. Um, learning is a little bit trickier. Again, takes that time, takes that effort. Uh, they say, do, what is it? I think if you do it three times, you'll learn it better. Or if it's repeated three times, you learn it. Um, well, I'm, I think there's it's some variances from person to person, and we won't go into it now, but there's something called maintenance rehearsal and then um, elaborate rehearsal, ways of different, different ways to retain information. Most students are doing maintenance rehearsal. Mm -hmm. They're doing the flashcards and trying to memorize the terms. Elaborate rehearsal involves actually applying it, generating your own examples, having it applied to your own life, whatever it may be, taking the information a little bit further. So taking it one step further beyond just that basic rote memorization into actually personalizing it, right. letting it be part of you. That's kind of awesome. It, I, I think that's what we're going for, right? <laughs> yes, very much so. It's what I try to shape my class around, that it is applicable, that it becomes part of my students, so that when it comes to the final, it's just... I think every final is going to have a little bit of rote memorization in it just because, but it is those learned traits and behaviors and things that we apply to our essays and how we think, how we argue, how we communicate. Another trick that I always tell my students is look at your classes as part of a course track. If it's English 101 and you're going into English 102, what are you probably going to need to take with you? What's, what's going to be there next semester? Same way with psychology. 101, moving into 102, what are those foundational principles that are going to be necessary for understanding? Yeah, well, psychology is a little bit different because you take an intro to psych class and you become a psych major, you are going to cover literally everything that we talk in that class on a deeper level. So, like, there is no... If you, I would imagine you have English 101, you go to English 102, it's kind of a continuation of what you're talking about. It doesn't really work that way in psychology. It's like, now you have this intro course, now we're getting directly into the gritty details. We're getting into those core classes that you need. But, I mean, whatever, that's a, that's a, that's a tangent. <laughs> um, one thing that I would always encourage students to do, too, is to ask for study guides, right? Even if your teacher doesn't provide them, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. You know, it doesn't hurt to ask, right? We kind of talked about that. But then when you're actually taking the test itself, it's just as best you can, just kind of remain calm, right? Don't rush through it. You have plenty of time. Usually schools dedicate about two hours for an exam. So just take your time, breathe, <laughs> read through carefully all the questions to make sure you're getting it. Um, I had a student come by the other day. She didn't understand why she got a question wrong. She was looking at it. She saw the answer. She thought I, was, I had the wrong answer. And I was like, well, you see here, it said, which one of these statements is false? 
It's like, oh, I didn't see that. It's like, well, yeah, sorry. You, you need just proofread these things. Take your time. Slow reading of the questions. Nice deep read of that is wonderful advice. Right. Now, I mean, I'll, I'm, I think I'll be honest with about teachers. From our point of view, personally speaking, yeah, we want you to rush that test because we don't want to be there any more than you do. But don't let us affect you, right? <laughs> Once it gets to a certain point, you take your time, right? I know you're not cheating anymore because there's no one else for you to copy off of. So I'm just going to be doing my crossword. So you take your time. But yeah, even if it's just you and Professor Crawley doing the crossword puzzle at the front of the room, take your time. Yeah. Don't feel rushed. It's If you think it feels weird, it doesn't. It's to be expected. Everybody takes their time on them. And feel free. Go up to the time limit if you need it. Yep. If there are bonus questions, too, that aren't going to hurt you, at least try. Guess. You can be completely wrong. But a lot of times I'll have students turn in their exam, like, you don't want to try the bonus questions? No, that's okay. And like some of them, I, I put right there, true, false, yes, no. Like, you have a 50-50 chance. And they don't even try. I, I just don't, I don't get that part. Um, I think something important, too, and this is kind of in line with what, like, particularly for your students, but I think kind of across the board, in that when you look at the different exams that you have to take for your classes, you need to be strategic about this. You have to have priorities. Which classes are more important for you to study for at this point? So part of that is looking how much is this final exam actually worth? Right? So your final exam is worth how much of their grade? My final exam is worth a whopping 5%. 5%. So if they have a 40 in your class and they ace that final, doesn't matter, they still fail. Uh, unfortunately, yes. So if the exam's only worth 5 points and it's not going to Unless you're at like a, a 69, and that might put you over to the next grade, right? It's just like, what's the point? So you need to be strategic in how you're planning out which test you're going to study for, how much time is being dedicated to that. Don't waste your time. Use it wisely. Paul, I think you're being hurtful about my exam weight. No, I love it. <laughs> I think it's fine. Yeah. If you look back when you took your exams, in college. What do you think is the thing that helped you out the most? Why do you think of an answer? The only reason I ask that because I'm not the best person to ask that question. The way the psych department at Coastal worked is if you were happy with your grade mm -hmm. going into the final, so before when the class ended, if you were happy with your grade and you had not missed any of the other tests, you didn't have to take the final. Wow. You were exempted. You had to take the final if you missed any of the other ones. There were no makeup tests. It was just you had to take the final. Mm -hmm. Or if you were failing and this was a shot for you to pass. So unless you had an A or B, you had to take the final. Oh. And so I never had to take any finals for my psych classes, which gave me plenty of time to focus on any finals I had to study for in other classes. So I'm not the best person to ask yeah, I'm when it comes to this. I had so many. It was mostly the core classes my first two years of college. And then after that, most of my English was... Maybe essays instead of a final? Yeah, it was the, well, philosophy and English, it was always writing intensive. But there wasn't a lot of. Yeah, it's a great question, but it's 20 years gone. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I did. So here's what we're going to do uh, we are really bad at answering this question about what's best advice. Um, because we don't have good perspectives on this from when we were students. So if you're listening in and you have already graduated school, if you're, no, you're a fellow faculty member or professor, um, please let us know what advice you would give students. 
looking back at your experience in college because apparently we felt at that part. <laughs> <laughs> I had to write too many darn essays. Uh, I, I, as an English professor, I feel your pain, English students. I do. I understand. Well, let's let's do this then. Let's wrap up and think about one last piece of advice that we would give students. So if you don't have yours, I have mine. And it would be something I saw uh, on Twitter, actually. I forgot who said it, so I'm, I'm sorry I can't give you credit for it. I'm too lazy to go back and check. But they said, no new Netflix shows two weeks before finals. The last thing you want to do is start a show, start binging it, and that's taking up all your time, because we know it is. And you're not actually studying because you're just so wrapped up in what's going to happen next. I thought that was great. That is wonderful advice. Do not get caught up in the <laughs> Netflix <laughs> binge wormhole. Um. Oh, and once finals are done, treat yourself. <laughs> you know, it's stressful, causes all this anxiety. Do something fun just for you. Go out and get some food that you really enjoy. Whatever it is, treat yourself. Call Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> I think for me, uh, wow, avoiding Netflix is a wonderful one. DVR all your current shows because you do need that extra time. Carl, they're college students. They don't have DVR. They're too poor. Oh. Mr. Moneybags. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Satellites. Oh, expensive. but you can download shows on Netflix now. Download the shows onto your device and just don't watch them until after. <laughs> Boom. Problem solved, right? Not all shows. All right, so it's time for our recommended readings. This is where we each share something that we've come across in life somewhere, somehow, and it caught our attention. Now we want to share it with you and encourage you to check it out. So, Carl, what do you want to recommend? Uh, you sort of stole my initial recommended reading this week, Paul. Gimbal Girls? Yeah. Oh, did you watch it? I did. I know the last four words. I know. We won't spoil it. We'll have to talk later then. Um, but the So because you got this in before I did, I am at, at a loss. Uh, and the only thing that has brought joy to my life for the past couple weeks is this giant bag of trail mix I got at Costco. It is terrible it's a lowly lowly existence i lead but what's in it this is the saddest conversation we've ever had <laughs> <laughs> it's about food come on uh craisins and mangoes and <laughs> walnuts it's really good for your joints apparently and your brain well we'll post a link to it in the show notes so people no, can check it out absolutely not <laughs> all right we will not post a link to it in the show notes you'll just have to go wander around costco and find it yourself my recommended reading uh, does have to do with the new Gilmore Girls revival on Netflix. I am not recommending the actual show, although please check it out if you're a Gilmore Girls fan. What I'm going to recommend is actually an article from The Atlantic about the show in one particular aspect, without any spoilers, Rory, in that she is just a really bad journalist, actually. The show makes her out to be really great, but you see her actual behaviors, things that she does, things outlined in the article, maybe not so much. So once you've actually watched all four of these episodes, go back and read this article from The Atlantic. We'll have a link in the show notes for it. You can check it out. Uh, it's enjoyable. Paul, real quick. Dean, Jess, or Logan? I'm Team Logan. Oh, gosh. No, Jess, all the way. For those of you who know how to read faces, Carl gave me the disgust face. <laughs> well, now that we've sufficiently embarrassed ourselves enough for this week, that wraps up our show. Thank you guys so very, very, very much for listening in. Uh, we appreciate any feedback or questions you may have. Please reach out to us at 
fail at college at gmail.com and please if you've got any advice on exams any insight that we've omitted please let us know on twitter we're at fail at college and it's that same username at fail at college for instagram if you like the show help us out with a great review and a five-star rating in itunes this really helps other people find out about us be sure to subscribe to the show and whatever podcast client that you use I don't care if my voice shook a little bit. I got it. <laughs> uh, Paul and I produce and edit the show ourselves. Our theme music is by Broke for Free. The outro music comes from Chris Dack. Until next time, we are How to Fail at College. Thank you so very, very much for listening. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. shaking your head <laughs> what do you do you don't do the crossword how do you do well, i do do the crossword there you go um look at me like i'm weird i'm not looking at you <laughs> like you're weird for the crossword